The Bratislava Back Summer School Art During Death. We all know about the existence of farmers. Everybody has heard of those mythical creatures dwelling somewhere in the countryside. But what do we really know about them? Do we know them? Do we know where they work? And who's actually in contact with them? Do we know anything about their way of life, worries, sorrows or joys? Is anyone friends with them? What about their relationships? Are they able to find a partner? What pressures do they face and how do they vent their frustrations? Do they drink, take drugs or go to therapy? How do they look after their mental and emotional health? As I found out, there are lots of questions that no one can answer convincingly. Very little media coverage of the living conditions of farmers and their stability has reached us. Farmers seem to be standing alone at the margin of society's interest. Yet, on several levels, they are one of the most important actors ensuring the survival of society. In addition to providing food for society, they maintain ecosystem services and cultural heritage. In other words, they are countryside and biodiversity rangers. And it largely depends on them whether the countryside is, for example, resilient to the effects of climate change. Just to give you an idea, in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, farmers are in theory responsible for about half of the country's territory. However, we must not forget that farmers are also distinct cultural actors who shape and determine the specific form of the landscape through their activities and take care of globally shared commons, such as healthy soil and clean water. They also care for our cultural heritage, which is visual, haptic and sensory, in the form of a great diversity of crops, foods and animal breeds. In their fields, orchards and vineyards, they conserve valuable varieties of plants, which are often hundreds of years old. These exceptionally shaped, tasteful and nowadays climate resilient varieties are preserved for society healthy living soil, rich in microbial relationships, is also cultural heritage hundreds to thousands of years in the making, which, just like architectural monuments and works of art, deserves attention and protection. However, it is also intangible, oral and spiritual cultural heritage, which may include environmentally friendly farming methods handed down from generation to generation. A deep understanding of the characteristics of the place, the soil, and sometimes even the weather in the areas where farmers work. What can better describe the concept of living culture than a lifelong commitment to plant the best seeds of valuable varieties again and again, every year, in order to keep them in existence? Farmers provide us with a cultural experience of biodiversity, and imprint an unforgettable character, something that in the words of philosopher Walter Benjamin we could call an aura, on the landscape and food. Farmers who take care of the countryside and preserve the cultural heritage deserve attention, because if they collapse, the whole ecosystem 
living culture, and consequently society, they all collapse. But does anyone take care of them? There are many indications that this is not quite the case. Farmers all over the world face pressure and uncertainty that put them into extreme situations, often leading to mental illness and the associated decision to end one's life. Exactly this phenomenon can be used as an indicator of the state in which farmers in many countries around the world find themselves. The aim of this podcast was to verify whether this is also the case in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, and if so, why. Together we will approach the farmers who were willing to share their worries and moving moments of their lives with us. We are on the grounds of a former unified agricultural cooperative that went bankrupt in 1994. Victoria's father took over the business and was one of the first to start the grazing of the cattle, converting the farm to an organic farming regime. Victoria expanded it, adding agritourism activities to the farm. She has run it for the last 27 years. Although it might seem that Victoria must certainly enjoy a rural idyll and easygoing relationships with her neighbors, this is far from the case. Three years ago, she had a breakdown and spent several months in a mental hospital. What brought this strong woman farmer down? There are several reasons for that, and they're all interrelated. Among other things, they also point to the systemic gender inequality that our society is heavily saturated with. A woman who runs an entire farm alone without a partner in a heavily male-dominated agriculture puts her in a position and situations that no one wants to experience. But we should start right from the beginning. Current life in Czech agriculture has one specific feature that is fundamentally different from the life of farmers in most other EU and world countries the amount of leased land. On the computer screen in her office, she shows me a map of the farm and the land. This colorful mosaic depicts the many ways in which the layers of ownership and management of farming are intertwined. I lease land from 120 people and arrange land swaps with 15 farmers. Each of them also has a lease on the land. If I wanted to farm on what I own or lease, it would have a shape that is unmanageable with current mechanization. Therefore, it is necessary to arrange land swaps. But I would need to deal with the lessers of land, landowners, at least once a year and once every few years for a longer period of time. I would also need to deal with the neighbors several times a year. Time management is impossible, and it all somehow works on a long-term basis. The degree of social conflict that the negotiation of land with landowners and other farmers brings is enormous. This conflict is a threat to economics, village social life, children, relationships, and ultimately mental health. In such a constellation, it is virtually impossible 
to have a relationship unencumbered by purpose. Whether it is a business relationship, a relationship with neighbors, or a relationship based on care, Victoria has no one in the village where she lives towards whom she could act freely, whom she would not need to treat with decorum or strength. Three years ago, I had a breakdown. 80% of the problems that caused it were determined by this map, which contains the fragmentation of the land with no reasonable or coherent peace. But this was not the only reason. Like most farmers, I had about 76,000 euros in accumulated debt to buy land with a payment plan for the next 20 years. On top of that, the economics of my farm failed two years in a row. Victoria recalls her dream when she was starting to manage the farm as a 19-year-old girl. I dreamed of doing soil analysis, restoring pastures, building pools and solving waterways. In 27 years, I haven't gotten to that yet. And it's not just because of the high costs that honest care of the land entails. I'm glad when my hay is cut and taken away, when my cattle is fed. Buying land, arranging land swaps and negotiating leases consume all my mental capacity. Farming in the country as a woman brings with it a whole set of problems. Victoria lives and works in male-dominated areas. They do not accept her because she does not fit into their coordinates of the arrangement of roles in society. Whether we talk about a local organizing committee or a hunting club meeting, she's often the only woman in the room. There is open hostility towards women in these forums. Most often, they're sent back to the kitchen because whether it is agriculture or hunting, they just can't understand it. Even mere participation in social events in the village becomes intolerable. A single woman is automatically seen as a threat to decent marriages. But Victoria is not accepted even by the women of the village. We can't talk to a woman who doesn't bake Christmas cookies, they tell my mother. Here, women do not meet over climate change. They meet over sewing clothes for small children. I am not at all interested in discussing recipes. I prefer to focus on literature, film or writing. Ideas about what women should and should not do, not only in agriculture, are also strongly reflected in Victoria's dealings with local farmers. Most of the farmers are openly hostile towards me. I'm afraid to go alone to some meetings. They make me sick to my stomach. Despite support from the local mayor and her brother-in-law, gender relations turned the village into a minefield for an independent woman. I do not drink, I do not bake, and I do not drive a tractor. That is a total disqualification. Several attempts to establish a relationship have crashed on a large number of conditions. For example, the fact that farmers do not have weekends or holidays off. People today are no longer used to the constant demands of the farm. In a world of strictly assigned gender roles, it is very difficult for a man in the village to accept a support role for a woman. 
At one point, it was just too much, and her head failed her. I felt I had done all those things so terribly wrong that the only way I could fix them was to commit suicide. I was still waiting for a few things to be sorted out, and then I was ready for when I would do it. When I talked to my own kids, they were planning something, and I was already telling myself in my head that I was not going to be there. In the end, it was my dad, with whom I have a strong relationship, who noticed that something was not right. He took me to a psychiatric hospital. After a few months of basic stabilization in the hospital, I spent some time in the care of my family. Today, if someone tells me I'm crazy, I say I am and I have the papers to prove it. She sees some positive things about this experience. Even in limited circumstances, just try finding a psychotherapy in the village, she focuses on self-care, for example by going to a nearby town for yoga classes. Whether she knows other farmers who face similar pressures as she does? Yes, but they mostly deal with it with alcohol. Even the response to pressures is gendered. Men do not have breakdowns, but they drink and get colon cancer. And then it is hard to tell if it is caused by goulash or stress. Farmers in the Czech Republic are insanely in debt because we are still paying off estates. It gives you stomach ulcers. We are still building capitalism without capital. Despite all the hardships that life in agriculture entails, according to Victoria, Working in agriculture gives you such a sense of meaning and fulfillment that few other jobs are able to give you. At this moment, I'm finally going to start the land improvement, which, if they start soon, will be over when I'm 51 years old. I will pay off the land loans when I'm 65 years old. I want to spend the last economically active years of my life looking after the countryside. I first learned more about the topics of farmer suicide in 2016 when I had the opportunity to discuss the details of the Indian context with the scientist and activist Nitya Sambamurti Gotk and Sanji Gotk. They brought to my attention that farmer suicide are one of the biggest problems facing India. Why is that? This phenomenon is most often associated with the industrial transformation of Indian agriculture under the banner of so-called Green Revolution, which began in 1965. The Indian government participated in this transformation along with the American multinational agrochemical corporation Monsanto, which was bought by the German chemical pharmaceutical company Bayer in 2018. Monsanto was then looking for an outlet for their research and genetic engineering achievements. However, progress and modernity in the promotion and adoption of new agrotechnologies goes hand in hand with ignoring the knowledge and experience of farmers, their know-how and seeds. The newly bred seeds, declared to be drought-resistant, working only with specific pesticides, too often fail both because of climate change 
and because of the development of resistance in many weeds and pests. Farmers often lose their crops and go into huge debt to buy seeds and chemicals. Their debts grow, and as Sanjeev Kot explained, When a farmer fails to grow enough crops, there is only one thing to do. Stop his farm. When he loses it, he cannot bear the thought of parting with the land that has fed his family for generations. So he goes and kills himself. As a 2017 study confirmed, there is a direct link between the increased number of farmers' suicides in India and climate change, which brings extremes in the forms of both drought and heavy torrential rains and has a negative effect on crop yields and the ability to make a living from farming. This study makes a direct link between climate change and 59,000 ended lives of farmers. The most common form of suicide is pesticide poisoning. However, this is not a new phenomenon. It has been clearly present since the early 1990s. In that time, it is conservatively estimated that more than 300,000 farmers, mostly men, have lost their lives in India. This is by no means a distant problem for Europe. A major development in this area was a 2018 study by the French National Public Health Agency, which found that, on average, a farmer takes his or her own life every other day in France. The suicide rate among farmers in France is 20% higher than the rest of society. Men aged between 45 and 54, especially smaller livestock farmers selling raw milk, are in the worst situation. Their suicide rate is 30% higher Among the most common reasons for suicide are one of the lowest wages for more than four decades and farm gate prices of milk and other farm products which often fall below the cost of production. To this, extreme weather fluctuations can be added, loneliness and any illness or accident that paralyzes the running of the farm. These reasons are common not only in Europe but also in the USA and the rest of the world. In the UK, for example, farmers' suicides account for the highest number of suicides within occupational groups. Research suggests that this is due to a number of specific occupational stress factors, which are influenced by economic factors and changes in farming practices. At the same time, mental illness in farmers is heavily stigmatized in farming communities in the UK. Farmers' possibilities to seek health services are limited due to geographical isolation and problems with accessibility to the services. And yet, research has shown that it is possible to systematically measure farmers' mental health. Our second case is a couple of young organic farmers who grow vegetables and sell them for a community-supported agriculture system. When I called the farmer, whom I will call Stepan, to arrange a visit and interview, I found him exhausted in his bed with a voice I did not recognize. I learned that he had had a breakdown and was ill. He indicated that he had been unable to cope with a series of disastrous crop failure events and had collapsed. When we meet a week later at his farm, he is already walking 
and looking after his first several months old son. However, his hands still ache, he looks frail, exhausted and depressed. It is difficult for him to move. Together, we watch his son clumsily roll on the bed. Surely, he has no idea how dependent his family's livelihood is on the soil and crop harvest. At our feet, two border collies, who were struggling for attention only moments ago, lay down to rest. Stepan described his condition as a burnout. But it was not just poor yields that brought him to his knees. Když jsem se dostal, aniž jako bych pozoroval nějakou změnu v průběhu, do toho, že vlastně jsem nucený pěstovat. I have kind of lost the reason why I started farming. I mostly enjoy taking care of the land. Even that kind of planting a plant, watching it grow, that I'm actually able to grow it, to harvest it. Now I feel the pressure that I have to grow it to make a living. And I have finally started to perceive the community-supported agriculture a little bit negatively too. Now it's a commitment. I get money up front and I have to grow something. And if something goes wrong, it is stressful. I remind him that one of the basic principles of community-supported agriculture is solidarity. When there is crop failure, the community shares the risks does not demand a refund and, ideally, supports its farmer as much as possible. Because his partner primarily takes care of their child, Stepan has to make decisions about the running of the farm alone for the first time, which he says is very stressful and exhausting. I need to find a way to bring joy and fun back to farming, and not just focus solely on the result and to look forward to winter when everything is done and I can finally take a rest. Stepan knows about the way to bring joy back to farming, but it is difficult for him to talk about it. He and his partner Jana discuss their uncertainties and worries. She seems to be much more immune and she's full of enthusiasm, although she openly speaks about the fact that this year has been a disaster unlike any they had experienced before. They were not prepared for it at all. The main problems were heavy and above-average rainfall, cold, and that one new field that was not sufficiently fertile despite expectations. Pumpkins, peppers and potatoes did not grow. This year we planted 64 varieties of tomatoes, which kept us economically afloat in previous years, but this year almost all our crops failed and everything rotted due to excessive moisture. We do not even want to go to the fields where those rotten tomatoes are, because we would break into tears. We rather send there our part-time workers. He and his partner try to rid each other of their gloom by reflecting on the good things they have accomplished. We have top-notch fennel and coriander, which we have finally learned to grow after many years of trying. And we've got cabbage to harvest. After all, it turns out that it is the diversity of crops that saves them. That way, there is always something to give to their consumers. When asked if they practice some form of mental hygiene, Jana replies. For me, it's definitely meditation, going to the theater and going on trips. 
it is important to change my environment at least for a while, even if one has to go to Prague and have a glass of wine in a cafe. Ayahuasca group therapy sessions, which I always visit with Jana, work for me. I also like to read, but this year we did not get any of those done at all, except for two trips when we went to get farm equipment. Before I say goodbye to Jana and Stepan, we agree on a trip to see other organic farmers in the region that Stepan wants to meet. It is obvious that he has a strong need to share knowledge and experience of growing methods with other farmers, including sharing concerns. The life stories of Victoria, Jana and Stepan are only a small fragment of a large, colorful puzzle composed of thousands of other life stories of farmers. It is clear that even farmers who work according to the principles of organic farming and are part of alternative systems of food production and distribution are not spared of hardship, uncertainty and depression. I first noticed the topic of taking care of farmers' mental health in the context of the adoption of United Nations declarations on the right of peasants by the United Nations in 2018. This declaration was drafted by the largest social agri-food movement of today, La Via Campesina, with over 200 million members worldwide. In this declaration, which articulates new types of rights for peasants to strengthen their stability and food sovereignty, is Article 23, right to physical and mental health. While most countries are ignoring this declaration for the time being, the situation is very serious in many parts of Europe and the world, and psychotherapists and researchers working on the topic of farmers' mental health have begun to recruit among farmers themselves. This is the story of Oliver Dixon, an organic farmer from Ireland who suffered from depression and, after receiving treatment, completed his education and runs a therapy center for farmers on his Ahina organic farm in Claremorris. The life experience of Emma Picton-Jones from Pembrokeshire in the UK, whose husband Daniel, a farmer who took his life, is moving. Emma decided to help farmers with their anxiety and stress, and in 2006 set up the DPJ Foundation to support farmers' mental health. It includes a crisis line where farmers can call to share their anxiety, stress, or just to talk, given that many farmers are lonely for long periods of time. Farmers in the USA have twice the suicide rate of war veterans. As it turns out, fighting in the trenches of the market environment causes more depression, anxiety, and paralysis than the traumas of war. That is why there are many long-standing and emerging crisis lines and contact centers for farmers in the US. There is also a network of psychologists working in rural areas for farmers only. An environment of trust created by connecting farmers with consumers through grassroots activities certainly contributes to farmers' psychological and economic stability. 
However, it is clear that changing the nature of the environment in which farmers live and operate economically also requires a systemic transformation. Government strategies and administrative structures primarily keep alive the competition imperative and maximizations of yields and profits. Yet the aspects of decent wages, or better, fair remuneration, care for the countryside, public health, and social cohesion remain the site. Governments are thus fundamentally involved in creating a toxic environment in which only a few actors thrive. This leaves two key questions that many farmers ask and should become a major concern for the public and government structures. How to restore the joy of cultivating the land and keeping it alive? And how to extend the farmer's status and acknowledge the cultural dimension of their activity? You've listened to the reenactment of interviews with Czech agroecological farming professionals, titled Farmers in Depression. The conversations were realized as part of a research project on the relation between mental health and agricultural practices, initiated by food policy analyst and writer Tomáš Uhnák. The text was read by Alexandra Gašparovičová, Andras Čefalvaj, and Kristina Orsagova. Sound was designed, mixed and mastered by Adam Matej. The 2021 Bratislava Bach Summer School Art During Death has been organized by Daniel Dida, Open Studio Bratislava, David Koronci, Studio VVV and Department of Intermedia at Academy of Fine Arts and Design in Bratislava, Andras Čefalvaj, Digital Arts Platform at Academy of Fine Arts and Design in Bratislava, and Kristina Orsagova, in conversation with Maria Hlavajová, Artistic Director of BAC, Utrecht. The educational program has been supported using public funding by Slovak Arts Council.